All right, here we go. Ready? Okay. You sure you're ready, Hassan? Uh, let me just text my mom. <laughs> Are you recording? Yeah, I think we should be recording while he's texting his mother. Hey. Let me know when you're ready. And good. Welcome to Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast, a multi generational discussion of movies. And here we are after a long hiatus. We took some time off. Uh, felt like the pandemic might be a good time to get the podcast back together. And the beauty is once we're done, we're done. I don't have to do any editing. So this is going to go right out as it is. So everybody enjoy. So um, here we all are. I'm Ralph Quartucci. Who else is here? I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Al. Where's the, oh, Can you guys hear me? Yeah. I can't hear you guys. There you go, Billy. All right. I'm John Quattrucci, Ralph's little brother. That's right. Why do you look so much more mature than Ralph, then? <clears throat> um, no, it's too easy. Yeah, I'm leave that not one. even going to go there. Okay. Here we are. Sean, Sean, welcome. Everybody, Chris, Hassan, we have a guest. It's Al. Al. Who's Chris? Chris is uh, he's a technical guy that's working behind <laughs> me. All right. Sorry, Chris. Um, so this yeah, week, cover is blown. here we go. What movie so, are we doing this week, uh, Sean? This week, we will be doing The Miracle Mile, a 1988 disaster film. I don't know how disaster, maybe the wrong word for it. No, it's uh, we called it a post apocalyptic or, or pre apocalyptic love story. And we are going to go by what Billy says because Billy DeMota, our special guest, was the casting director of the film. And this was your first um, your first full casting film, correct? It was. Yeah, I was an assistant before that. I worked on a bunch of – I worked on The Running Man and I worked on Predator and I worked on a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I did um, uh, uh, Project X with Matthew Broderick and Helen. Wow, that's a good one. Um, I did Three oh, wow. Amigos, uh, and uh, anyway, I did about a dozen movies before uh, I became an associate on a movie called Colors, uh, and I did with Sean Penn and Robert Duvall. Yeah, we're, we're Ice T in there. Who, who did the Ice T? Colors. There you go. Colors. And and I went from from Colors to become a full casting director on Miracle Mile, which was my first sort of like job that I got to cast all by myself, which was awesome. Well, it was a great film. I got to admit, I saw it in the theaters upon its initial release back in 1988. And here's one thing we always do at the head of these podcasts. We always go with the official review. And there's only one place where we get the official first paragraph is the Roger Ebert review from June 9th, 1989. Before you do that, why don't you describe the film? Okay, well... And we'll dive into Roger Ebert's uh, first paragraph. Okay, well, I think that it, the description was already yeah. pretty well done. It's a post-apocalyptic love story. It's the kind of film they do not make. It, you know, they wouldn't quite make this film this way anymore, in my opinion. Um, it's about a couple. They meet, they meet cute at, a, um, at like a museum and then at the La Brea Tar Pits, which... You know, is it? You know, turns into a, a bit of a character in the film. Spoiler and, alert! By the way, spoiler right. alert. <laughs> and they meet, and he sets. You know, they meet in the afternoon. They go out. He's a um, trumpet player, jazz trumpet, not trumpet, yeah. trombone. Right? Trombone, okay. 
and, and they actually meet at uh, Pan Pacific Park, which burned down uh, during the, the just just after they made the movie. Oh, it was well, uh, anyway. That, that's a little bit no, different. no, that that's good to know. The tar pits are still there, though. They are you know, still. There. And so uh, there will so, be tar forever. And so they meet. So he makes a date with her. She's a waitress. Makes a date for with her. But then through an odd coincidence, an odd series of events, his alarm doesn't go off. He arrives at four at the restaurant where she worked at like 4 a.m. She's not there. She didn't wait for him. And he goes outside and answers a ringing telephone, which is supposedly from a man in a um, missile silo saying that they, and they had pay where they had pay phones and phone booths. Yeah, back in back in the good old days, right. and he says that they've launched the missiles, and that the retaliation will be back in about an hour. That he was goes, and he goes in and he talks to um, the people. He can't believe it. He mentions it to the people in the restaurant, which starts a panic because one of the women in the restaurant has connections, and she has a a suitcase size um, cell phone, <laughs> and um, she take and she backs up what he heard. And they all try to get to a heliport to go to the airport. They get a flight to Antarctica to get out of there quick. But our young lover will not leave his girl behind. You know, even though she had taken a um, Valium, you know, and she lives with her grandmother. He, he's going to get to our house and take her to that heliport at any price. So that, that's our story. Hey, it was the third date, man. It was the third date? You had to get that third date. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because um, she said she was going to. She, what was she going to do with him? That's on his the brains out, I think, is what she yeah. said. Yeah. So I we guess. Can say the, we can say the word. I just said F her brain, his brains but, out. You know, technically speaking. Ralph is a good guy. You know, he, he can't have his mom listening to this podcast. Technically yeah, but, speaking, yeah. that should have been the second date because I would say the first date was the afternoon meeting her. You know, at you know, going to her house and picking her up for the apocalypse. Hey, now you're just arguing semantics. Well, here, no, man. you skipped. You skipped yeah, the concert. Her, she went to his concert. That her, her, the grandparents or whoever those. The, the, yeah, the, the, we hadn't talked in fifty years. That's right. Yeah. They, they, yeah. That's where they both love the same jazz artist. They that's both right. love the same jazz right. artist. So that was that was uh, uh, date number two, and the third one was the one in the four a.m. One. It was boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy ends up with girl forever. That's basically. And the there's a couple of, of things that happen in between, right? Yeah. So, okay, so let's get to Roger's. Um, Roger uh, Ebert. What did Roger think? Well, Roger is the opinion of all America. So let's um, let's get to. Wait a minute! Did I suddenly lose my um, my screen? Okay, Miracle Mile. Ebert gave it three out of four stars. And here's the first paragraph. Miracle Mile has the logic of one of those nightmares in which you're sure something is terrible, in which you're sure something is terrible, hopeless, and dangerous, but you can't get anyone to listen to you. Besides, you have a sneaking suspicion that you might be mistaken. The film begins as a low-key boy meets girl story, and then a telephone is answered by the wrong person, and everything goes horribly wrong. Much of the movie's diabolical effectiveness comes from the fact that it never really reveals until the end whether the nightmare is real or only some sort of tragic misunderstanding, right. which I think is a great summation of the film. Well, that's yeah. the entire review? 
No, I'm, on, we, I'm, I'm not going to read. The, oh, I got you. You only read the first part first of paragraph. it. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. The key and is I, there are three out of four stars. That's the wow. key. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, so uh, but go ahead, Billy. Takes there, which is really great, is that all through the movie, you, you don't know whether or not Harry is the crazy one who just has this fantasy, who's heard something, who thinks that the, the world's going to end because he got this phone call, or whether or not it's really happening. And, uh, and, and, and also, I don't know if you guys know this, but the movie was shot in real time, which means that, that the 90 minutes from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie is the 90 minutes in the, I mean, when, when he picks her up at the, at the, when he goes to get her at the diner. So they, they stick, they get into real time at that point in time. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't really realize that. Yeah. Now that twist about whether he, uh, it's real or not is hung right. And I also read that um, they were going to make this a Twilight Zone film. They were. In fact, he was talking, it was, it was going to be part of the thing that John Landis and Toby Hooper did uh, with, uh, with the thing were, one of the segments, but uh, yeah. it didn't work out. Yeah. Well, but thank the, God. The director, what was the director's name? Steve DeJanet. Darn it. Steve Darn it. He didn't want to change the ending because if it was a Twilight Zone, I think they would have gone with the ending we all thought was yeah. going to happen. No, Which he would have been a Twilight Zone ending. ending. And without giving away the ending, um, he, uh, he he actually this is a this is a little bit of trivia he borrowed an extra twenty five thousand dollars from my brother to film the ending that he wanted to do in, with the helicopter in the i'm not going to tell you but yeah. well, uh, because uh, uh because uh he, Why did I? well because hemdale didn't want to they didn't want to spend the money they didn't want to do the production value uh hemdale was very cheap the, the whole budget of the movie i think was four million dollars Wow. I, I think he made the right choice by uh, asking for that loan. Yeah, he did. Personally. Yeah, yeah he, no, it's, a, it's, I was expecting the other end and I got this one and it's kind of shocking. And that love moment in the, uh, in the, inside the helicopter that yeah. he really wanted to get that, make that. It wouldn't have been the same without, the, it would not have been the same without. No. no. And for anybody who hasn't seen the movie yet, you can still rent it. It's available on DVD now. Uh, it, uh, I think I have all the, I have every, I have every, oh, you have a laser disc and laser disc. <laughs> I have every, uh, every rendition of that. I have the, 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 the video cassette from the beginning. I have the laser disc. I have the, 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 every DVD issue that came out and it, and it came out with different covers. And, and so I have, and there was one special edition one where at 25, at 25 the criterion years. collection. Did it make yeah, it to I, that? I think it was. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was Criterion, but it was one of those kind of things, a 25-year anniversary edition. That's so just let me understand, for the audience, are we not going to give away the ending of this movie? Is that – I mean, how can we – We can't – I mean, I just thought you didn't want to have a – when somebody mentioned spoiler alert, I didn't No, know we're saying we're going to spoil it. Oh, no, we're going to spoil it. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's the alert. If it came out in 1988, it's yeah. – <laughs> um, uh, Well, we'll just say it. What happened, Billy Lilly, you since you were there, tell them how it ended. How, well – it, it ends with them trying to leave. I don't know if you know who Kurt Fuller was, the guy who was. Yeah, the, the crazy uh, guy. The crazy guy at the, the Gersted was his the character's name uh, at the on the top of the the fifty nine hundred building. Wilshire. That's a that's he, a great which, scene with him. Which was really shot on top of the fifty nine hundred building, mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, when when the uh, I don't know if you know who, who Brian Thompson is. Brian Thompson 
who was uh, who has gone on to he was a helicopter pilot, pilot. Right? helicopter pilot yeah. that's the guy that, that when they yeah. were looking for they when when i think there's a line where he says uh where gerstead says i don't know all the helicopter pilot bars are closed buddy so he didn't know where to find a helicopter pilot because they were looking for a new because the, the guy couldn't get there so they got brian thompson brian thompson was uh arnold schwarzenegger's stunt double in terminator and he went on to have a great career as his own as a, as a on his own as an actor uh but um when he was shot and damaged the 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 helicopter you know took a dive instead of instead of being able to fly the helicopter was damaged he was damaged and it crashed into the tar pits uh into the tar in the tar pits where the movie started yeah, uh, right. and uh and the uh and steve really wanted to do the thing where the the, the the helicopter was sinking slowly into the tar pit, sort of going back into, you know, it, it, it sort of going back into the for ashes, ashes, right. dust, dust. You know? Wasn't the whole theme extinction, right? I mean, they start at the tar pits, they end at the tar pits. Well, I mean, the, the line where where he says uh, something like, um, I, I really want to be, uh, you know, I, I... He said, didn't he say they'd be fused together? Yes, they'd be fused together like diamonds. Right. Like so Superman could make a diamond, we'll be fused right. together right, right. for eternity. Forever. It was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Where she, he said, I think it might be the cockroach's turn. Because they were talking about maybe we'll come back and, and you know, we'll make it, make it out of here alive. Listen, you know? even, even today when I see the movie, I still don't expect it to have the white flash and that's it, it's over. I yeah. still think she's going to get out of there. I mean, I know it's not true, but... That right. white flash is so shocking and so simple. It's it's. Uh, now, is the version you saw? Does it white flash into the diamond at the end? No, I don't think so. Because there's a, there's a version where the flash, and then if you wait, the diamond comes up. It, there's a special effect that comes up to a diamond at the end of the screen, and then the siren starts. If you heard oh wow! If you haven't heard it, the version with the siren. I should play. No, I'll have to check the end. Yeah, <laughs> you let it go into the it, before the credits or just that maybe the credits start or just after the credits, there's a siren that begins. Oh, wow. I made a big mistake. I watched this the first night I was home on quarantine. I said, I'm going to watch something other than the news. And I put this in and, uh, Oh yeah. There's a, there's a lot of little things that Steve put in there. Um, and all the effects are practical, right? I read something Anthony yeah, Edwards said that all practical effects, no yeah, green screen, no CGI, no, no special effects. No. Yeah. Crazy. Hassan and Chris, any, uh, well, now, now when Sean actually saw this at a movie theater, right? Yes. I saw it, um, at the Golden Ring Mall in Rosedale, Maryland, That's you know, amazing. week of its initial release. I used to see everything. So, uh, yeah. I would, you know, I would have never imagined I would be working with the casting director. One. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, I've known about this movie and I, I watched this movie back then. I don't remember if I saw it in a movie theater or not. But I remember it vividly, mainly Which because freedom. because Which of the freedom. telephone scene, that telephone booth scene where he gets the call is is wild. Right. Hey, uh, Billy, I wanted to ask you: Are you like a huge Terminator fan? Sorry. Are you are you a huge Terminator fan? Because there was a lot of cast that was in the Terminator, right? Uh, no. Yeah, there was uh, uh, Jeanette Thompson, who, well, Jeanette, who was in yeah. Aliens and Terminator, right? right? He was a friend of mine, so I. Brian Thompson was not. He was in the Terminator. He wasn't just a double, right? He was, but he was also in the Terminator. Yeah. 
But I, but all I'm saying is he also played his delta. Is he the aerobics guy? The, yeah. Uh, yeah. Earl Bowen wasn't. Earl Bowen was in the Terminator. Earl Bowen was in the Terminator. That's so right. I'm like, whoever casted this must just love the Terminator. Now, well, I, the funny thing is, so those are all coincidences. Earl Bowen was a friend of mine from from uh, from other movies that I cast him in before that movie. Um, and uh, is, is that uh, Sarah Connor psychiatrist? Yeah. Is that? Yeah, to me, like, this movie is, like, an unofficial part of the Terminator universe. Yeah. <laughs> and this and this movie, he's the her, still her psych- psychiatrist, and when the nukes go off, that's really Skynet setting the nukes off. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, the timeline is weird, but... Well, Brian Thompson, think of it that before way. they went in the helicopter, Brian Thompson said, if you want to live, come with me. Sorry, that's a Terminator line. Come on, guys. Did he say that? No. Okay, I was about to say that. <laughs> no. Okay. Now I tell you, okay. I will tell you what really the scene that really affected me when I was in the theaters when I first saw it, you know, those years ago was um, what's it, you know, Williamson when he's not with there with his sister, oh yeah, and he's just seeking some sort of validation that you know this was all real, and you and you have um, the hero just like looking down, and then he's saying the cloud is coming, and it's like. And then she's doubting him too, you know, uh, Mara Winningham, is because it's like, why are you telling him to cloud? And it's like, yeah, the, real, a- the realization that um, Anthony um, has at that moment that I'm responsible for all these, for this dead, these dead people, you know? That's why I thought right up, it, it's that scene where he comes out of that, where the, the, the police car goes through the glass, through the window, and he, he the guy ends Take up dying. Up. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't shoot the guy that I thought he was going to come out when everybody's coming at him, all the crowds that that was going to be that that's when they're going to figure out that it was all fake still. And then it goes on for another 20 minutes after that, I think when he goes back up and the helicopter pilot and they find him. And it's that whole scene with, was that the added scenes with the helicopter leaving the, the roof or was uh, it just the tar pit scene that you had to go in? Okay. So how did it end before the tar pit, before he reshot? Um, you know what? I don't know. Mm. I, you know, he, I, I don't think he ever told me because I don't think it was, he ever really actually wanted to write it down and, and, and make it reality in his head. He always wanted to have it end the right. way he wanted it to end. Now, it's, you know, he, go ahead. You know, one thing about this film, this is the only like nuclear Holocaust film where you actually, at least for me, I wanted it to happen because I would have felt so bad for Anthony oh. Edwards, you know, if all if he if he caused this panic, you know, at least you know when you see the, when you see the missiles coming, you know, That's, you're like, oh, at least he doesn't have to bear the guilt of you know all these people dying in this city right. on fire. Well, which, which version would be bleaker, the current, the the real version, or the version that you're talking about, Sean? I don't know. If on a personal basis, on a personal basis, I'd probably rather, if it were me, I'd rather be blown up than having to face the repercussions of, you know, causing a panic. All the death that you caused. That was the, yeah. the one special <laughs> effect. The one, the one special effect that they put in the movie is when Kurt Fuller's standing on the roof and he's and he's blazing on acid and he's babbling to himself and the rockets come over um, yeah. the top of the building. I think that's the only. Uh, but that's you made the, the pigeon that smoked a cigarette. That was uh, legit. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they strapped the cigarette to the, the pigeon's mouth. Hey, Hassan, I, I play in the pigeon. The pigeon. Hassan and L. Have you seen this before? Rank. Is this the they first time you saw this movie? 
They did have a pigeon wrangler. Yeah. Hassan and Al, is this the first time you saw this movie? This is this is the first time I've seen. So I there was the first time I saw it, yeah. and, 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 uh, and I just first, could not. The, the first few minutes of it, I was like, "This is kind of a strange movie," and it seemed to be a little bit funny. And then when they poured the gasoline on the cop and she got all burned up, I'm going, "What the hell is this movie? What just happened?" That for me is when the whole movie took a completely different turn. You know, you, do you know who the gas station attendant is? Was oh, that's when, uh, yeah, he's uh, Bunker Eddie Bunker Eddie yeah. Bunker from Eddie Bunker. Who, wrote, who wrote Straight Time. Uh, oh, really? He's a res- he's the guy in Reservoir Dogs too, right? Right, exactly. He's an ex-con. Yeah. Um, um, there's a lot of people. You have a lot of people in this movie that have you know future. You know, I I forgot Anthony had done. Top Gun before this and yeah. Revenge of the Nerds before this. I yeah. thought this is one of his first ones. Well, he looks twelve in it. That's I know wild. it's un- unreal. This is when he was uh, he was dating Meg Ryan and Meg Ryan had just left him for Dennis uh, Quaid. Dennis Quaid, yeah. And he oh, was wow. he was so depressed in so much of the movie. Billy, was there anyone else up for it? I mean, who else was up for it? Uh, he was actually attached to it in the beginning. He read. The oh, script really? In the beginning, want to do it. Mayor we found, uh, who loved the script, uh, and you know when she and Tony met, they were they fell in love with each other, and they they worked great in the movie, um, and um, and Michael T. Williamson, who yeah. Was, yeah. hadn't done anything before, and this is when Michael T. was two separate names and not Michael T. <laughs> and his um, character's name was Wilson, right? Uh, Wilson, right? And 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 uh, Forrest Gump, it was Bubba. Bubba and Wilson, Tom Hanks movies. Interesting. Yeah. Just saying. And, oh, the ball, right. and the ball was named Wilson in uh, the, uh, the. Interesting. Denise, that's what, Denise that's Crosby. What I was thinking too. I was thinking about that too. <laughs> Cast and, then, away. and you got Denise Crosby in there, right? Denise is that her Crosby. name? Yeah. 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 yeah uh, from Star Trek. But Billy, right. so she was. She was Pet Cemetery she, just before that, though. Yeah, oh, right, she was right. oh, that's a good one. In, the, in the dining scene, right? Was yeah. there stuff cut out of the rooftop? Because they kept referring to her and everything that they were supplies they were getting for her, and they never you never saw her again. Was no, there something that was cut out? Just because no, we just had not, not enough budget to, to buy her for. So three. there was nothing ever filmed. No, wow. and uh, I want to Robert, see that big phone again. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Robert Del Key in a briefcase with the little computer thingy. In yeah. It. Is that his name, Robert Dokey, Ro- Robocop? Robert Dokey, yeah. Robert Dokey. Played, played the uh, diner owner. With Olan Jones. Mm. Who's still around. Olan, we should have got Olan Jones. Olan Jones, who used to be married to, to Sam Shepard. Uh, oh, wow. And, uh, Olan Shepard was her name. When we met her, she was married to Sam Shepard. And your director had a cameo. He got shot in the face and fell down a manhole cover. Right, he fell down the manhole cover. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Now, so you he, know who I was, I was surprised to see is... Um, John Agar. That was a pretty John cool. Agar. What, what, what made you think to go with, with well, Agar? He, he got submitted, and I didn't know who he was because he had kind of retired. You know, I don't know if you know this, but because of the whole thing with Shirley Temple, yeah. uh, he kind of got blackballed in Hollywood. He wound up doing all those Plan 9, not Plan 9 from Outer Space, but Tarantula. Tarantula. The old people he did. But he did a lot, a lot of the Universal B-movie stuff, you know. And uh, just kind of was not making any money and doing anything. And he was really pretty much retired. And one of his agents, I guess his agents submitted him and said, hey, you, do you remember John Agar from, you know, High Noon and, uh, you know, with with John Wayne? And no, I I don't know him. And uh, and will you meet him? 
I said, will you come in and read for me? He says, yeah. So I figured John Ray Agar's going to come in and read for me. Okay. And he came in and he was so humble and he was so gracious and he was so thankful every single day of that, that we were on the set. I was on every day of the set. He would come up to me and say, really, I just want to say thank you for, for thinking about me and putting me in this movie and, and, and really making me feel alive again, I'm like an actor again. It was really a great moment. And Lou Hancock, who played his wife in the movie, was, I think, 25 years younger than him in the movie. So we had to age her up a little bit. How long was the shoot? Uh, it was, I think, five weeks. And you shot it chron chronologically, right? So yeah, We did, yeah. Yeah. Now, was, um, oh, I nice, think just right? for the younger guys, Agar was like in the John Ford um, Calvary trilogy, was in Fort Apache, and she wore Fort a yellow Apache. ribbon and all. And I would say, what would you say? He was like a strong second lead, mostly. Right. right. Yeah, he, he, was, he was always John Wayne's sidekick. You know, he was like the, he was the second lead, yeah. Yeah. And he was married to Shirley Temple. Right. And, yeah. well, you know the whole story about Shirley Temple, right? Where he, he, the reason he wasn't married to Shirley Temple anymore is because he came home one night with some, uh, now this is all, you know, uh, this conjecture. conjecture, but this is the rumor that I heard at the time is that he came home one night drunk as all get out with a, with a cute redhead and said, honey, let's have a three way. And, um, and Shirley, Shirley Temple, Shirley, Shirley Black Temple. She was a Congress. Wasn't she in the Senate? An ambassador. She was an ambassador. Oh boy. Hmm. So anyway, well, what did she I say? guess the answer was no. I guess the answer was no. <laughs> On the good ship, lollipop. Ba -da -ba. Well, not only was he, he a great actor, he also had chutzpah, as we like to say. Yeah, you know, I'll to say. Go, yeah. So Hassan, let's just break for a second. Let Hassan speak. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thank uh, you for uh, tell us what mic. you thought being the, the old was, millennial here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, uh, it was really hard watching it and not thinking this is not what I would do at all if, like, this was, like, if this happened, you know? Like, why was it, why wasn't calling back the number, the guy's dad's number, his first reaction, you know? Like, why wasn't that his first thing? Like, let me check to see if this is correct or not. So the entire movie, I'm like, just call the number. There you is no the number start, in the, the beginning. There was it's no story since the movie. Right, then there'd be what? no movie. Movie would be over. But there was no, no... the guy told him the number. He remembered it at oh, the end. He remember, well, yeah, he remembered. He found, yeah, yeah, he called. He called yeah. at the end. Yeah. Oh, he did. He called, he called his like, father. He called his father, right? He called his father. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, do you have a son in the bunker? And I was like, oh. If you do that, with, I mean, if you do that... <laughs> with, by the way, the character's oh, name yeah, is... Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And uh, his... his yeah. That was Raphael Sabarge, who played the voice. Risky of, Business. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was, and he, before he was really had done anything. Which one is he in Risky Business, John? He was one of his buddies. He's also in now. Uh, he was in Once Upon a Time, that that fairy tale series that's on now. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. on that too. Yeah, a lot of people went through that movie. That guy that's up on the the uh, the guy, the acid trip guy. He's been in everything. Yeah, he was in Wayne's World. Well, he, have, played, uh, yeah, he played. He uh, played uh, Rob cool. Lowe, director there. Oh, right. You're my guy. We have a whole city burning uh, out. Uh, called uh, talk radio or, or something radio. Uh, uh, he was uh, anyway, Kurt, Kurt Fuller. I should look him up. Oh, this was like a good early role for him, though. 
It was. This is yeah. This, this, yeah. So Hassan, any movie now could oh. end in four minutes if somebody got on a cell phone and just called and said, "Oh, hey, it's over." So yeah, you yeah. Need, no, uh, I get it. I get okay. it. I get it. But like, I thought you, you were saying had the answer in the beginning is what I'm saying. You know? I like, thought you were saying how you... that. But like, but but my main thing was like, I my, in my mind, like I couldn't get, like. Because, you know, you were saying how, like, the whole, the big part was, like, wondering whether or not it was real. And I'm like, yeah. this is how you know whether or not it was real. But uh, I did, I, I mean, I thought it was uh, intense. And I feel like I got a lot of vibes from, uh, you know, like, the ending to Mother when everything starts hitting the fan. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, like, crazy shit after crazy shit. It was, like, just, like, the very same, it was kind of the same thing. And, uh no, it's pretty solid. I mean, like, I thought you were saying how you would have reacted if you had picked up that phone. That's what I thought you were like. Would you be screaming and yeah. yelling, or would you be running out of there, or whatever? So, one other thing, Chris, Al, Chris, Chris, turn this that is the guy behind you. Chris, turn this up a little bit. Turn Al's mic up. Chris, page Al for us. <laughs> Al, how about the score, yeah. Tangerine Dream? Oh, it's very, oh, it's that's very that's dreamy. Steve like, went to. Um, Austria to work with those guys to uh, uh, you know on the soundtrack I mean that was like the big get for him and actually part of the loan money for my brother was to pay uh, for him to go back over there for the sound editing at the when the movie was done um, uh, and so uh, yeah I mean the soundtrack is amazing and the soundtrack and dream was all yeah I think the record the the, the CD at the time there was a LPC came just around when CDs came out uh, did better, made more money than the movie made. Seriously, they put an LP out for this track. Yeah, Tangerine right. Dream was um that's was hot. Hey, Tangerine yeah. Legend, they did Tangerine. Legend, right? They did a lot, didn't they? They Michael? did Thief. Thief yeah. was a they great. They did a lot sport. of Michael Mann. Did weren't they Manhunter too? Did they do was Tangerine uh, Dream? Uh, I believe they did. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that? Do you remember? I don't know if you know. Do you you guys know who Peter Berg is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I he was in the band. Yeah, did you? He, I'm going to tell you the story of Peter Burke, and, and I hope he's watching this so he can. He'll be, probably be mad. I'm sure. He, I'm sure he is. <laughs> but Peter, Peter was uh, working on the movie as a PA. He was an actor, young actor, hadn't done anything, um, and he came up to me during you know one of our castings. So he was running around and sort of as a gopher, and he said, "Hey, can I get a, a part in this movie, Matt? You think I could get maybe do something?" He was kind of a dude, you know. He was going, he was, I'm not going to, I don't want to dish, but he was dating a very famous manager, a female manager. And uh, um, she was, and she called me and she said, can you do something? Can you put him in the movie? So I said, we'll make him an extra and we'll give him the, he'll be the sax player. So when Harry's trying to impress his girlfriend with his trombone solo, he'll push the sax player, try, will try to stand up and he'll push the sax player down and, impressed so that was the little scene right oh that's peter burr getting pushed down peter burr's getting the one to get oh pushed that's down. that's a riot he came up to me before the scene he said he said uh so do i get to be well i get to be in the union uh, can you do a will, will this be a union gig will i get a union pay i said well no because you're just an extra you're like background he said well can i say something or do something so that's when we gave him the business of standing up and uh, oh and, and that got him in the union he actually had no. He had a line. We, oh. we gave the line, and the line was, "Hey, what are you doing?" But we the line got cut out just for whatever reason. From from an editing standpoint, we didn't need it, but we had tapped Hartley to him anyway. So my claim to fame is that I tapped Hartley Peter Bird. 
I yeah. tell you. Um, so how how would you say? I mean, at the time, I thought the movie was was successful. Was it considered a success at the time of its release? Would you say? It, it, no, it didn't do very well. Uh, it did much much better in in video when it, when the set came out. Uh, it did really well. Uh, but you know, uh, Hemdale, uh, who produced the movie, uh, had Terminator that they were pushing, putting a lot of money behind to promote, and um, and they just didn't put any money behind the the prints and ads and, and promotion for the thing. We kind of dropped the ball when it came to like really doing a, the kind of advertising that would have made it a bigger thing, especially when because it had the, the one of the co-stars of Top Gun in it. Yeah, uh, it had one of the co-stars of like you know the the Breakfast, not the Breakfast Club, but um, uh, Saint Elmo's Fire because yeah. you know Mayor Winningham was hot then, um, and they could have taken that and turned it into a big you know sort of advertising ploy, but they never did. Well, this would be a tough movie to walk to walk out of, Sean, not walk out of. I mean, in the middle of. I mean, after it's all over, right, Sean? How did you feel after you saw it? And you you know. I, all I can say is I, I'm not lying. I was relieved when they blew it up because I would have felt so bad for Anthony Edwards. At that wow. Point, you know? Our, we had an ad that we did, a commercial ad that we did, and all the commercial ad was was interviewing people as they came out of the theater. And and and, and Steve edited it. You know, Steve was a very funny guy. When he, when he, when he did the editing, he just had somebody coming up and going and – yeah, and, and you were cutting back. They were going to say something. They did say something, but he would cut to like they're just their reaction, you know. Two people most movies don't have the the gonads to do that. Most movies would have chickened out at the end and not let it happen. I mean, right? I think that's why I thought it wasn't going to happen. I'm like, okay, it's just going to be a twist. They, they wanted to make it a happy ending. They wanted. Oh to, and, I mean, I think it would have been a lot tougher to end the way you're talking about, Ralph. I think that would have been a lot tougher to make that decision that all this death happened. And it wasn't real. No, I think it would. That's what I mean. As a Twilight Zone movie, yeah. that would have been the twist. That would yeah. have been. And yeah, I would have felt bad for Anthony Edwards' character, you know, because he put all that in motion and it's yeah. all on him. Yeah, that's a pretty brutal. But the way it ended is still like, just, it was surprising. Love is preserved was, forever in the it was, it was actually satisfying. You're like Sean saying, it's weirdly satisfying. You've seen the world blow up, but because Man. I, you know. Some I describe people, it a lot of ways. I don't think I describe it that way. A lot of those people were kind of, you know, they kind of were more, you know. Well, in an hour and a half, how'd the whole world find out about it? That's, it just spreads like the virus. That's why oh, we're doing a pandemic God. edition. I was like, come on, this is real time. Everybody knows about it. One guy. But I have to well, tell you, what I loved about the ending though, and the, and the fact that it did end the way it did is that there was something about the permanence of, romance right you know, i mean if you think about it really is a relationship movie you know i mean kind of a love story where they right. die and but you know i mean that's that's that the, the the most beautiful tragic tragedy that you can have is somebody be, being so much in love and then you know but that's over. exactly what i thought the ending was their love is preserved in that tar pit forever, forever. right as a diamond that's what i really thought that's what he was saying well, the, the whole the whole love is forever was pushed through the whole movie right from the start he right. was saying he met the person Finally, I'm going to meet somebody right from the beginning. That whole title scene where they're in the museum and the it letter, happens, oh, Ralph. I listen. You know, I can attest to that a little bit. A few times. A few times. <laughs> a couple of times. Uh, you know, things happen. I do have one question for Billy, though. Yeah. Did your brother get his money back? 
He did not. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh. F in Hollywood. But he doesn't, he doesn't hold a grudge. So. Oh, that's a shame. Well, did he get any credit in the movie? Yeah, did he get a credit? Get credit in the movie, yes. Good. Okay, good. Well, here's one thing I think about the film, too, which I don't think would ever happen to – am I am I one? I thought I had muted myself. Is um, – they would never open this film like this because it was a long time on just that couple without even alluding. If you had, if you walked into that movie blind, you would be totally blindsided by the way the movie went. Nowadays, anybody you would write this movie for, it would start in a missile silo. And then it's they would come to the road. It's a thriller. Yeah, but they would still have, they would still have that play. That romance part. You can't have no. a without starting out with the romance. No, no, they would they would do it the they would do it the other way. This is a film that would really get ruined by the way that people want to structure movies now. I feel the same way about another film at the same time, um, Runaway Train. You know, which I thought was another right. great film. Yeah, they. I would think have... this movie was more about the romance, and that's why it started with them, and then like ended with them dying in the carpet. That's why I was like, well, it, it yeah, was more yeah. like leaning towards the. Uh, no, no, this is a Bunker movie, by the way. Huh? What? Runaway Train is. I think Eddie Bunker wrote. That. Yeah, he's in that. He's like an older prisoner. Well, it's that. it's also it started with like I said. I mean, I'm not that smart, but it goes extinction to extinction, right? So you're seeing yeah. you're seeing that. Um, what was I just going to say about um, that scene? And I can say one thing: Billy and I are both one degree of separation from one away train because we've that? We, um, Bill because uh, well, we both worked with um, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts about a couple times. How many? How many degrees from Kevin Bacon are you guys, though? I'm one degree from... If he from gets the virus, if he gets the virus, we're all fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but we've all, we've all done our, um, our Eric Roberts. Yeah. I'm sure there's some Eric Roberts Everybody stories. Everybody is tell. one degree from, from Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I will say, I... I... Is... Is this film respect? I think it's respected as like a classic of the period. It is now. a classic. It has it has gotten amazing reviews everywhere. Um, it's it's been it, they just Steve has has been on the road with this movie for the last twenty five years because uh, the or thirty years because of the, the 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 cult status of the movie that there's a huge Miracle Mile uh, fan club. You know, like thousands. No thousands idea. People, so. Uh, that he he travels around with, you know. He Steve also directed a movie called um, uh, what's the the one with Melanie Griffith and uh, with Cherry Two Thousand Two Thousand, right? Uh, that uh, he didn't write, but um, but he got uh, but you know he directed and uh, and so he's got this sort of weird cult following from all these kind of weird <laughs> movies. And he also wrote Strange Brew, uh, oh, Mackenzie Brothers, Mackenzie Brothers, right? So. He's done get that on my DVD shelf. And also, he was a writer for Twilight Zone too. On uh, the see, to me, this was series. this was a Twilight Zone episode. I really that's I like what I, the whole time I was watching it. That's what I was thinking. And he also directed, wrote, and directed um, uh, oh, the movies with the with the the little girl. It was, he was I'm blanking out. It was a it was a Nickelodeon show. Or, uh, uh, she, she's now an adult. Uh, not Hannah Montana. Cla- Clarissa, uh, Clarissa explains it all. No, uh, Alex Mack. I don't know. Chris, you really know all the Nickelodeon. Al, you know all Chris. those Nickelodeon shows, huh? Chris, Chris turn Al's mic up. 
So Al, we I, haven't I, heard from you yet. Al, I know you're a big fan of this movie. I am. Because you, I think, uh, you, do you have the Laserdisc and the Blu-ray? I do. I do have it on Laserdisc. I found this uh, Laserdisc in uh, like Fredericksburg, Virginia, let's say, and uh, I popped it in one night. One night, and I just absolutely fell in love with it because it's my kind of movie. Yeah, it fits right into your uh, whole theory, your yeah. whole uh, essence. I, I think the the romance is great. Uh, I I love the phone call that he gets and the fact that it is actually the end of the world. Oh, I know what I was going to say. <clears throat> Sean, back to the, the phone call. They wouldn't have started, but you definitely would have seen the silo side of the phone call. Yeah. You, with you the guy going have, crazy. Yeah, but, you know, everybody wants everything spelled out now. The 80s, uh, were, the 80s weren't the 70s, but they were still pretty brave. They were hanging out. And they were still the, letting you take chances. Well, the movies were a lot more thinking movies. It's like they, they, they believe the audience could, could uh, extrapolate from a lot less, you know, that you didn't have to show it all. You know, you just... You, you, Plus, I think the voices made it better. Like when the authoritarian voice at the end, just go back to bed. Yeah. You don't need go to see that. Sleep, Hearing yeah. it's enough. Go back to sleep, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Al, go ahead. Keep going. I'm sorry I interrupted your phone booth. Uh... You're such a dick, Ralph. I'm just running the show. Yeah, I know you are. Um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. You were talking about you like the phone booth scene. Yeah, the phone booth scene. Uh, I, I enjoyed seeing all the familiar faces in the movie, all the character actors. Um, I don't know her name, but the lady that plays the waitress in oh. uh, Miracle Mile is also the waitress in Natural Born Killers, which is one of That's my favorite That's Jones. That's Sam Shepard's ex-wife. Yeah. And she's oh. still my Facebook friend. She's, wow. That, that's she crazy. Play, she's Another played a ton of waitresses, friend. too. Sorry? She plays a lot of waitresses. Yeah, she does. She has done she, that's she. You know she's you get typecast. And John, you she, has that, she has that market corner. Al, Al, keep talking about the cast. Who else? Who else? Can I like <laughs> about the cast? Who, who else? Uh, uh, I, I really well, like Fuller. I really. I, I was. Him. That's the guy. That's the guy. Okay, I gotta ask a question. He goes into that aerobics. By the way, you talk about a movie set in its time. Okay, 1988. Right. Spandex. The aerobics, the spandex, all that, the neon, the whole thing. So you get that after pilot. Is that Fuller? Is that who you're saying is the big no, no, guy? No, Fuller's the crazy guy on the roof. Okay, who's the Thompson? Brian Thompson. Okay, Brian Thompson. did he play He Man or something? He's in uh, Masters of the Universe or something. Yeah, no. he's like in a ton of stuff. Look, I'll, look, I'll look him up right now. Anyway, he pulls that woman. I think that no, it's a woman guy. Was just like him. No, no it's like, a guy. Girl. There is That's a, girl. a guy. No, there's a girl there. Yeah, dude, yeah. That, it's a guy. It's not a guy. It's like, there is a guy. Joke. Like, oh, my God. It's the gay reveal at the end, you know, that he's gay. So. Oh, I missed that. Because I have to get... I have That's to why get, he was uh, like, is there a problem? I have to get Jan or something. I have to go get Jan. And he thinks he's going to get a woman and it's right. a man. Oh. You got a problem with that? Yeah, I just... Yeah, exactly. You're right, the spandex and the whole... I mean, just. Just in its time. He had the headband. Was he wearing a headband too? He did I have the headband. He had the little spandex. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah. a little little uh, day glow headband. Yeah. Is he? He's in Terminator, right? He's, in he's one of the. He's one of the three thugs at the beginning with Bill Paxton. I think, oh right, I at the uh, right. out there in L.A. Yeah, when he first right. gets there. Right. Yeah, they're both. They're both in Terminator. Well, yeah. that the the pilot, Brian. What what's his name? Brian. Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson and, and uh, Bill Paxton. And Jen. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, uh, you know, he was like in Joe Dirt, and he was in um, 
Uh, he played uh, a Klingon in Star Trek, one of the uh, Star Trek. Right now he was in. Okay, I got. I do want to say yeah, something. Exactly. I, so when I'm first watching this movie and they're in the museum, yeah, and the music, <laughs> that music at the very beginning was really strange to me. And I was like, what the hell is this movie about? And it went on forever. Isn't that Tangerine Dream? Aren't yeah, they? it was. It was yeah. all Tangerine Dream, but it was so different from the rest of the movie that I just wasn't sure where the hell they were going with it. And then it started the, the tension-building music, right? Well, like, like Sean said, if you yeah, but... the, it's not until the phone booth scene that you realize what the movie's about. Right. Right up until then, and the whole thing is he missed that first, that third date or the second date, yeah, right? It's like, he, like a goofy romantic whatever. Right, the, the well, that's what I thought until he burned the guy up at the gas station. Well, that, yeah, but the, he flicks a cigarette, the pigeon catches a cigarette. Right. How that worked. Well, and wait a minute, wait a minute. He went on his balcony and threw his cigarette at the woman who was at the sidewalk. Oh, right. And the bird is, is what you normally do. really right. an anti-smoking So guy. see, he started the whole thing right. even before he answered the phone. I got you. So. And then she went home and had like five pills and was passed out in the bed. I think she had one Valium or something. Well, it's like uh, the worst, had, a couple the, of the best and worst day of his life. But exactly, yeah. right. right? Highs and lows. I thought she did well. a. Mayor Winningham did a very nice job. I thought she played, played her well for that time for 1988. Right? She was very independent, and um, I thought she was a good, uh, good match with him. Yeah, and she loved her grandma and grandpa. Yeah, that was good. Um, you know who else I loved in this movie was. Uh, was Diane Delano, the woman who played the, the, she was the one sitting at the booth in the diner. The flight attendant. Yeah. Flight attendant who, <laughs> who wasn't really a flight attendant. Who wasn't a flight She's wearing her sister, right? She was on night court for a long time. She's yeah. on a ton of TV and, and, and film. And also, do you, I don't know if you know this, but Alan Rosenberg, uh, who was sitting with Claudero Jones, Claudero Jones at the, at the bar at the counter, uh, Alan Rosenberg was the president of, uh, of the Screen Actors yeah. Guild. The, yeah, the, it was so weird seeing him in that part because I've always seen him play lawyers and right. white collar people, and he's like he's like a blue collar guy with that guy, and it was like, what's what's going on? This is a weird weird scene. Now that are you talking about the street sweeper guy? Is that yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, it's yeah, it's right. Part sweet sweeper buddies. The, the big guy's Claudio Jones, and the other guy was the Alan Rosenberg. Yeah, the guy with the black yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah. He, he, but right, he's always, he always plays a lawyer. Yeah. He's the one who had like the ideas when they, when they were in the van and they're on their way to the airport or wherever they're they're going and they're all trying to figure out who to who to pick up and who to bring along. Uh, we got to bring along a, a Buck Mister Fuller, you know, Bucky Fuller. Let's bring him along, you know. Daniel uh, Berrigan. Who knows who that is now? The days. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the 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 <laughs> cool thing was that Steve was coming up with all these really eclectic ideas that thirty five years later we you know we talk about now. So. <laughs> This was really a great film, really a great film for the period. You know, it really brought me back all the clothes and all the hair and that tangerine <laughs> dreams. I mean, they were the hot score guys to get, if you wanted a hip hop, you know, not hip hop, but a hip score by a hot right. person at the time. Right. They were there. And um, the only thing I thought was over the top was it went from zero to 60 really fast with like the street being filmed. But one of the best moments, another great moment for me is when they're going to surrender to the cops. They go out, the cops are all gone. You know, the, well, the, the, cops guy, are the guy, off. the guy repels down right in front of them yeah. and just gets off the line and starts running away. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're all getting the, the message. That's, right. That's happening, right? Yeah. The yeah. Is yeah. 
That but again, a- I still thought right then they're going to go, it's not real. Well, well I got to tell you. The we shut down. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Los Angeles. I know Sean has. But right in, at the corner of Fairfax and Wilshire, which is one of the busiest intersections in all of Los Angeles. I mean, during the daytime, it, you, you know, it's traffic jam time there. And the, we had it from, from like 11 o'clock at night until, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and Sunday. So we get to shoot all weekend in those in that in place and that was the, the i mean may company uh was the was the building that we went into uh actually there was may company mervyn's uh another movie which is now it's like some academy movie but all those old big big art deco buildings there but those were we were on the streets shooting that thing and johnny's of course the diner there mm-hmm. is uh, that still there it is still there but now it's only for for filming because it used to be a real diner when we were shooting there it was a real diner it wasn't we actually used it uh and had to kick everybody out and lucille bliss who is the old woman at the bar who was had the who had the flowers at the very end i mean in the very beginning um uh she was uh she was the voice of ricochet rabbit holy cow cartoon voice and oh she was a voiceover actor. Ricochet Rabbit. And she, but she had done a lot of old lady parts. So we, we, I loved the fact that she was like the only one there with her dog in the, the diner in the middle of the. That, you know, that, the that, diner, that diner was also used as campaign headquarters. Did you know that for Bernie Sanders? Yes, I do know that. <laughs> in 26, I think 2016, not really? this year. Yeah, I mean, but they not, rented it to use it as a campaign headquarters? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Did they, they actually serve strong. food there when they were doing that, or is it to just- everybody? They served everybody. Everybody had a share of everything. So a lot of ham. Great. What made what made you guys think it wasn't gonna happen? I thought there was gonna be. A, I, I thought it was felt like. I kind of felt like from the beginning it was like, yeah, the world's gonna end. Like I didn't. I, I knew like his biggest problem was gonna be like convincing everybody, but I never thought it was like. For me, it was the more people that died, the more likely I thought it wasn't going to happen. But let me just say, they, I think that the era that this movie was shot in was something that we, that, that, that we thought that maybe that, that, yeah. that could never happen. Yeah. Now I think that the, yeah, gen, yeah. the generation of this, I mean, the world could blow up tomorrow, right. you know, and, and, and would, nobody would be surprised. So, well, even right. when any movie, ever, right now. <laughs> unless they do a movie like uh, The Day After, where they, that's the premise of the movie, that the nuke is happening and you got to figure out what, you never expect a movie to actually pull off what they say they're going to pull off. You expect they're going to come up with a happy ending because no one wants to leave a movie feeling all sad and grumpy. Right. And, they, mean, and know, he didn't man. do that. I give him a lot of credit. Movies? What's that? Disaster movies usually... Disaster movies, I feel like, usually end pretty bad, right? Yeah. Oh, they all the six people came out of the Poseidon Adventure. Six people. The one death. Right. The one death. The movie that this... you was Gene Hackman hanging on the thing, and he, you know, the priest. That's the only one that bothered you. Not when Shelley Winters died drowning. Yeah, I'm just that saying. Didn't bother you? I'm saying Bro. six people got That's through. Cold, man. The, the in, movie that just reminded. Water, I'm like a little girl. I can swim. I can move under right. the water. Right. I can do this. Is, oh, sorry, that, that, was my is that what makes you think? Is that what makes you think of Poseidon? And, and Shirley Temple, uh, Shirley, Shirley uh, Shelley Winters, uh, yeah. about six pounds. <laughs> what other movie, Al, you say this is like? The, the movie that this remi- reminded me of, of, with like the dark ending that you didn't think was going to happen, is Arlington Road. 
Oh yeah. yeah, because like that that comes out of nowhere, and you don't think that's going to yeah. happen, yeah. and the bad guy gets away. Like yeah. that that kind of that that's kind true of, because you're rooting you're rooting for him the whole way, and you think that you know you don't want it to happen, and yeah, that's a good point. But that was ninety two, right? Road. When did when did Arlington Road come up? I think it was later than that. Yeah, not ninety eight. Ninety eight. Anyway, yeah, you're right. That is a good uh, good example of one that ends the same way. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it would in a in a way it would be kind of disappointing if it did because one movie I was thinking about while I was watching it this time was the um, final countdown, not to be confused with the song by Europe. The one you know, about the big ship, the Nimitz that goes back Kirk in time. Douglas? Yeah. yeah, Kirk Douglas, and they're gonna they're gonna defeat the Japanese yeah. at Pearl Harbor, and then the ship comes back into time. Right, you know, goes back through the black hole again, and you're sitting there thinking. Oh man, I am really disappointed that they didn't get to fight the Japanese. You know, I mean, of course that would have been good. You know, the whole world blowing up is a little worse. It would be bad for the Japanese at Pearl Harbor. Well, that just but, reminded me of uh, the Army of Darkness, where Bruce Campbell sleeps through it every and wakes up, and it's the Holocaust, the nuclear Holocaust, and he slept through it. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it happens. But I didn't. This is I probably saw this. Now that I'm thinking about it, probably early home box office, early HBO. I never because heard of it. I definitely saw this and loved this movie when it came, you know, when I saw it in the, probably 80 or 88, 90, probably 91. Hey, Billy, um, Billy, was there, I, I know you said they're on a tight budget, so there wasn't a lot of stuff cut, but was there anything you remember that they filmed that didn't make it in that? Cause it seems like there was a couple of times where I thought there seems to be something missing here or did everything get filmed that made it? On screen, I think so. I think everything made it made it on on screen. I think that there were a couple of places where Steve just didn't want to make it like completely fluid, you know, that he wanted to have like wanted to make it not disjointed, but you know, and kind of episodic almost in the yeah. sense. That, well, that's it. It's an. I know what you mean because. Go ahead. <laughs> I know what you mean because, like, I thought the same thing when the police car just drives through the into the store and you're just like whoa what happened you know there's a whole bunch of story here we are definitely missing but i also well, get that is like you know the end of the world and they're right. like yeah making it, you, like it's the crazier the things that are happening the crazier also the Carlotta, remember, remember kelly joe minter coming down the escalator dying and that was his uh, yeah. uh michael t's sister um, yeah it definitely puts you in the chaotic, like things are just happening for no reason at all. Like, especially right, right. when he walks out of that department store and the police guy drops in front of him off the road. About, but the, wait, what, what turned me on so much about that was that felt like the immediacy of real life. Like things are so screwed up and things are happening at such a, a pace and things are so, it's, it made it more scary for me when you saw a woman dying on an escalator that was going up and she was trying, you know, and, uh, and, and, and the police guy just coming down and a car going through the thing. It's like, what the f- is going on? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it adds was, to it. It added, added to the whole. We I really did not. drove a police car through that window, too. You did? Really awesome. <laughs> Jesus. I no, no CGI. Real glass? <laughs> real, you know what? They what? use glass. Holy real glass. That's crazy. I will say when I first saw the film, it really, I remember it really moving me emotionally. I was really into the movie and, you know, I didn't have the distance that I had sort of watching it now and I'm sort of analyzing it, but it really, it really did a really good job. Of that, that's so funny. I just, me I, up with it. I've had just the opposite reaction. I'm more, it's more pertinent now, obviously, because we're all going through this virus thing and we're all quarantined. 
that movie seems more real now than it ever did back in 1988. As far as that could actually happen. Someone could actually do that. And uh, that's, and that's, I know that's why Wojo didn't want to jump on because it just reminds us of why we're, I mean, we're only here because of the fact that we're all quarantined. Yeah. Otherwise we'd all have something better to do. Somebody's mic. Um, all right, we're right at the hour. I want to bring in our next. I want to bring in someone just to wait. Uh, promo can can I just doing. ask a question, okay. um, Billy? Yeah. Could you just describe what what a casting director does and how that process works a little bit? Sure. Uh, well, the first thing I do is I get the script. For instance, in this movie, I had met Steve before. Uh, I met him through some friends, so he knew who I was. Uh, he sent me the script when he found out I was starting to cast and he said you want to cast your first movie you know with me i said sure uh and he sent me the script you read the script you decide if you like it or not i fell in love with it and uh and then what you do is you put out a breakdown and the breakdown goes out you and the director just sort of create this idea of the, the descriptions of the characters you give it to a breakdown service they sort of massage that into a job listing with all the characters names that uh job listing or breakdown goes out to all the talent agents and managers in town now now it goes out to the actors directly to through it through different uh a thing called actors access and um and then you get submissions uh with all the all the agents submitting their talent that they think is best for each individual character uh you uh go through all those submissions. And in the process, you're also putting together your own list from people that you've seen in the past, people you've met that you've cast before or that you wanted to cast and you couldn't cast because you didn't, you know, you cast somebody else, but they were great actors. Uh, you, people that you've seen in theater or in showcases or in, in, uh, in you know, in acting classes. Uh, and uh, and you, you start to put an idea list together of the people you want to bring in for your first casting session. So you go through all the breakdowns that are coming from the agents. You go through all your personal lists and ideas and you put together your sessions. Now you do what we call pre-reads, which are the initial sessions without a director or producer, just to kind of sift through everything. And you may see hundreds of actors for just a few different roles. That's what I do because I like to see lots of actors. I like to get to know the actors that are out there, even if I don't cast them so I can keep them in mind for future stuff. Uh, then from that massive amount of actors that you see and that you audition, you narrow that down to the best, uh, Sean, you've been in a few meetings, you know, the best um, half a dozen people for each character. Uh, and then you'll have a, a day of casting with the producer, director, uh, writer, maybe uh, a couple days of casting, however many you need to get through the, 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 the callbacks is what those are called. Uh, and then by committee, generally the producer, director, the casting director, uh, make a decision on who the best uh, character, who the best actor is for each character. Um, and, um, and then you, there it is. You make is it, it elaborate or does the director have no, the final Chris. It, it depends. I mean, in my case, because I've been doing this for 40 years, that uh, they rely on my expertise when it comes to, and a lot of the filmmakers I work with are, our younger filmmakers, and even some of the people that I've been with that have been around for a while still depend on me as sort of knowing the, the, the climate of the actors out there and they rely on my expertise. Sometimes they're just dicks and they say, no, nah, I want him, you know, and without collaborating. And then I always tell them, well, you know, maybe you might want to 
you know, reconsider or, because the thing is, is I know stuff about actors that they'll never know, you know, they'll know, okay, they came in and they good, they did a good job or she came in and she popped a tear or he's really sexy or she's really hot, but they don't know that, you know, he won't come out of his trailer unless he gets a quart of vodka and he needs a hooker and she needs a, you know, she needs her, her, her dr drugs and her dog, her chihuahua. And, you know, it's like, so I know all the things that they don't know sometimes. So, um, but most of the time it's collaborative. Yeah. That's how we get Hassan here. He needs a hooker. So that's how he, <laughs> that is that's true. How he gets on the podcast. So, and hey. Green, and Green M&M's. Hey, uh, hey, that's uh, awesome. What do I, what do I, how do I get one for this episode? <laughs> yeah. uh, the delivery uh, service. I think a couple hundred bucks in, in Bethesda, you find something. Yeah, I would think. I would think. I'm not can, I, can I just, I just want to say one thing about Billy. Right yeah, yeah please, say, please do. Well, one thing, well, I want to say two things about Billy. And if you read my blog and type in Billy's name, you'll see that I give Billy the credit for the success of a lot of the films I made because you really assembled some great cast, you know. And in two I ways. Mean, and one name, you got us in some, some actors that are well-known for the budgets we are. But then a lot of the smaller roles where the people aren't quote unquote names, you got in some people I felt really gave some uh, really strong performances too, yeah. you know, for people I never really heard of or anything. Yeah. And also you're, you're a man of integrity too, in the sense that, you know, you fought the workshops. I don't know if you want to bring that up here. It's too complicated to think. Well, I mean, can I ask, do, uh, do casting directors get Academy Awards? They don't. They do not. That's a shame. It is a shame, but there's a lot of different reasons for it. The, the fact is that most directors, most directors don't want, and the Directors Guild has actually a, has issued a statement against an Academy Award for casting directors because they think they're the ones that make the final decision mm. on the cast. And but you know they're also the ones that make the final decision on wardrobe and 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 the the, the soundtrack and the editor. But right. those all they all get Academy Awards. Oh, uh, they, you know, and I always tell. And, and, this is kind of a, uh, kind of my little jab to to directors that decide they want to cast movies by themselves. I always tell them the first time you cast a movie by yourself is the last time you'll cast a movie by yourself, because <laughs> casting directors basically see ten thousand people to bring the director five. Right. You know? uh, and when I say to see ten thousand people, go you know sift through ten thousand submissions, bring back a couple hundred actors to bring back the best three. And then the director says, I discovered that guy. Right. Oh, yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> like I said, F in Hollywood. Huh? Yeah. Same thing. All right. That's we're going to bring, I'm going to bring my friend, Billy, if you can stay, if you want, I hope you do. Sure. We're gonna, her name is Darcy and she's going to let us know the next film we're going to try. See if I can get her on. I just told her to join us. So she'll pop in in a second. Um, so Hassan, would you recommend this movie to your millennial friends? Uh, yeah, I would recommend it. I liked it. I thought it was a great ride. Me and my roommates all watched it. We thought it was like, it was very confusing for us. We were just, when it started, we were just like, Can I what's just, going on? You know, like, what's going on? Hassan, if you get a chance ever to see it on the big screen, if you ever see a screening, I'm telling you, the movie's a different movie on the big screen. It's like so many movies I bet. On, on a, on a, but when, when you see the things happening, you know, on a 40 foot screen, it's different than watching it on your, you know, on uh, your laptop or watching it on your, your TV. No, no, I definitely, I get it. And like this, but the film, like the movie was like a, ma like a massive, like a work of art. Well, uh, Billy, just to be honest, when we, 
when we used to do these podcasts before the pandemic, Hassan would watch him on his phone on the way over to the podcast. So I think he's used to seeing these things. I've been for one movie and probably do it on the watch. I'm just saying, I think that uh, that's probably what happened. I I have to say that I, you know, I I've seen this on Laserdisc, and then Pluto TV, which is like a free TV app. That's what I watched it on. I watched it on Pluto TV. They they inject ads. And it really kills the flow of the movie uh, yeah. and uh-huh. the tension of the movie. Yeah, so I would not watch it there. No, I know. I said it, but I said I'd text you if we it's do It's like it. watching it on network TV and having to you stop right now for a commercial. Yeah, for Mike, come on board. Yeah. Mike. Okay. So definitely uh, pay, pay for it to see it and uh, don't watch the ads because it, re- it really kills the flow. I can, uh, yeah. Yeah, ads would definitely take you out of this movie. Because it's all, if they shot it chronologically, there was a, re- I mean, I know that's budgetly, budgetary reasons you probably did that, but it also adds to the, because, you know, it adds to the tension because you feel like you're there the whole time. It's, you know, yeah, the movie goes pretty quick. Yeah. But I still think it was a great ride. I feel like it's one of the basis for like a lot of like disaster movies that we've seen now and uh, I would recommend. And Miracle Mile, I love the title. I mean, the Miracle Mile really is a district. It's one mile of, of Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles uh, from uh, Fairfax to La Brea, basically, uh, Crescent Heights to La Brea. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's legendary. I mean, it was, uh, I, I, I don't know, exactly, I forget why they called it Miracle Mile, but it's, but it's turned into like a commerce and business and a lot of the tall. It was meant to be, it was meant to be driven down, not walked down. The guy who designed it, design it for cars oh. to go through that strip right that's why it was called Sounds a little elitist well this was i don't know when it was made i think it was in the 50s or something but well you could you son you could ride your skateboard no problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could watch a movie on on oh. your phone while you uh, could take the skateboard there <laughs> yeah i'm waiting uh, for, so are we having are we, oh there we go there we go hello dorsey Hi. Hi, Darcy. Everybody hi. say hi to Darcy. Hey. Wow, look at hey, She's like in some foreign Oh, I like location. your background, Darcy. <laughs> world or? I just I popped over she... to Waterworld real quick. Oh, okay. nice. oh, you're not I guess I guess she just... Uh, the polar ice away. caps have melted. So, Darcy, what, what movie would you like us to talk about next time? Waterworld. Oh, I love Waterworld. Faster movie. That's good. Mudo. End of the world. End of the yes. world, another dystopian kind of thing. So, Pure dirt. I wanted you all to meet Darcy. I know some of you know Darcy, but not everybody. And um, we will be doing Waterworld on the next one. I don't know. Is that going to be too hard for Wojo, too, do you think, Sean? We'll have to check with Wojo. Okay. Had some, got my man crush in there. Well, my old man crush. I have a new man crush. Kevin Costner. Costner was my old man crush. Who's the new one? Uh, I, I Billy DeMoto. No. Well, it's, that's one. Um, uh, Brad Pitt. Dennis Hopper? Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. I just... Cannot okay. take my eyes off Brad Pitt, especially in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, goodness. Oh, I'm telling what you. What a great movie. The guy is amazing. Kevin Costner is still there, but uh, Brad Pitt's kind of kicked him out. Oh, but by the way, Brad Pitt doesn't have web, web fingers. The thing I wanted to mention about, uh, um, about Miracle Mile, you know, the bartender was, uh, the, the countered man was Robert Doki. Yeah. We originally had hired Joe Turkel. Now, you know who Joe Turkel is? Joe Turkel was in, um, yeah. He was a big uh, Kubrick guy. He was the bartender in The Shining. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
he was in uh, he was in the uh, Blade Runner. He was the he was the guy who ran the corporation in Blade right. Runner. Right, he's get his eyes squeezed out in that one. Right, right? is that the one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he was going to play the bartender, like uh, with the counterman. We wanted him to play the counterman, but the problem was is that he couldn't get excited enough when the thing. He's, he's always like, oh, guys. oh, jumping on the counter, pulling the gun. He couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. No, he because he was the like, he was always like the really proper, you know. He's like the sort of elitist, uh, you know, Long Island kind of like guy who can't, who couldn't do that. But Robert Doki is pretty good. He was in RoboCop too. He's in a bunch yeah, of stuff. Yeah, he was a yeah. sergeant. Yeah. He was also in a little movie that I called, I, I cast called um, uh, Walking Thunder with John Denver. Oh, wow. Um, uh, John Walking Denver. Thunder and John Denver. Wow. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was shot in Utah. It was a, made by Bad Mormons. And, um, <laughs> Are there bad any good ones? No, I'm just bad No, bad Mormons are the ones that drink and nice. smoke. Oh, yeah. That's what you mean. They still nice. go to church. So, Darcy, you got to bring it. You got you to gotta tell us why. If this crowd is tough. If, you, if there's a movie they don't like, they kill you. Trust me. Have you seen The Counselor? Waterworld that I can bring as a special guest? Maybe I can, say that again? Maybe I can find somebody from Waterworld to, to let me look at Waterworld. Oh, that'd be amazing. Bring it up. <laughs> Kevin Costner's not doing anything right now. Yeah. Get him to come on. Oh, my goodness. I love that movie. Uh, yeah. It's one of my childhood favorites, probably because my mom liked Kevin Costner so much, but I'm excited. Water in well, that doesn't make me feel old at all, Darcy. That is uh, that nice. Kind of this, that, that had a lot of cast. A lot of people. Church, you got to know somebody favorite? in there. David Rubin cast it. So, but I know David Tui, the, the writer. Hmm. Uh, well. Oh yeah! Tell him it's a highly. I worked with John Davis and, and Larry Gordon on uh, on Commando. Oh my goodness! Uh, Commando's a great movie. Wow! Yeah, you are. That I is. I forgot John Davison was yeah. in that. I'm, I'm oh, in and had R. D. Call in it. He just passed away. R. D. Hmm. Call at Casting Colors. He's Sean Penn's friend. Uh, yeah. He just passed away. I'm saying if there's anybody in Zake Smokai. Man, what a great! I'm looking at and Jack Keeler. What a great cast! And it was in this movie. We're going to really, uh, I can't wait to watch this again. <laughs> again. It's amazing. So, Billy, have you seen The Counselor? I have not seen The Counselor. Hmm. You're okay. not missing anything. <laughs> they killed me on that one. Because I actually they, they, like that They one. had a great casting director and a terrible writer and director. <laughs> <laughs> that one did not go well for me. Well, um, I they, also, Billy, I want to say, <laughs> I brought in the Robert Wise version of The Haunting. Oh. People oh. killed me on that. Yeah, that was bad. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, all right, so Darcy, you got to take some I notes. Gotta, um, Darcy, I'm going to yeah. give you a tip. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a tip right now. Uh, get uh, John Fleck. If you look up John Fleck on IMDb right now, uh, you'll okay. see who he is. He was in the movie. He's a friend of mine. And I'll bet you that if you call his management company, it's Billy Miller Management. I'm looking at him on IMDb Pro right now. You could probably get him to come and, and be on your podcast. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh yeah, we'll have our agent. Do I don't know. I never you know, thought of him, so I don't know what he played. Out to him. Oh, yeah. I know. I've seen that guy. They had all kinds of troubles on that movie. They did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good you know, everybody got wet. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. So, but that'll be the next one and Darcy oh, that's awesome I can't wait yeah, I'm excited but, hey, the, water, the, 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 the water skiing was great oh the, listen they say they always talk about how much money they spent but the money was on the screen everything they did in that movie all the stunts and everything was mm -hmm. incredible yeah 
I don't know. I never saw it. But. A feast for the eyes. Well, uh, we'll give you an invite. You have, to, you have to watch the movie, though, before you ben, come on. on, your, on your your rule. Behind you, uh, Darcy, I'm looking at your... Yeah, that's the atoll. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's the water world. Good look at you, always promoting. That's so smart. <laughs> so, you and me, let's get out of here. It's you and me in water world, baby. There you go. Yes. All right, so that's it. What a nice pandemic edition, I think. Um, Thanks for letting me participate. After a long hiatus. Uh, we're going to do Young Frankenstein 2 down the road, John. Oh. Um, I got John, uh, Darcy's friend, John Cassandra. Down really the road. Now you're talking. So... Uh, last be a fun one. Seriously, call me if you need some help finding other people to to be your guests because I can help you with that too. Appreciate. You gotta let them know how oh, popular. Thank you, thank you Bill. Yeah, thank thanks you. for taking part in this. This was it was great yeah. to hear you. Yeah. Oh, fine. If you and if you guys, uh, you, uh, Sean knows my email address. If you guys have any questions, you want to chat with me about this movie or any other movies, I'm happy to do that. Appreciate Look at it. Maybe and you'll see the, the stuff I've done. A couple hundred movies. So. It's great. Okay, really appreciate guys. it. We're glad you joined us. Bye, everybody. Nice. All right. Yes, thanks. Uh, see you. Bye. Thank you. All right, Darcy, so good job. We'll see you in yeah. the world. Everybody else? Everybody stay healthy and safe. Yeah, stay safe, everybody. Stay in your house. I think I think we might <laughs> hey, actually does, do this. Uh, hey, does Billy know he's not getting paid to get I, like people? Oh, he's gone. <laughs> Sean, has to take a collection? Good guy. <laughs> seems like okay. he seems like a good guy. That was a nice oh, he's, a great, he's a great guy. Story it's like something. the ending of Miracle Mile. It's just a flash and it's over. It's done. We got to yeah, enjoy That's it. That's why, okay, the, the, the ending to me, the ending part was that he was dope. That he told us was, was what? No, it was dope. What? Oh, I, think, I think your eggs just kicked in. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> All right, guys. Darcy, thanks for coming in. Al and I are going to have to figure out how to get this water world to everybody. Do you have it on LaserDisc? Water I don't world? have a LaserDisc. It's on Hulu. You have... It is? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's on, it's on HBO <laughs> every other week. It is? Yeah. Ron, do you want to join us for uh, Water World? What? You bet I do. Are you kidding me? You the polar ice caps have melted. You have, a, you have a movie review site or something, don't you? No, I just, uh, on Facebook, I review movies. That's it. Oh, okay, forget it. But nobody looks at Facebook anymore. Is that true? Yeah. Look at the yeah, shirt you wear. Look at that. You Jealousy's do- rearing its ugly head, gentlemen. Listen. And ladies. Listen. This is big. This was good. All right. Good news is I don't have to edit any of this. I just roll it out. Real time. Okay? You got to bleep every time you say my name, Ralph. Ah, Chris is the uh, audio engineer I got working behind the scenes. So, all right, relax. Darcy, thank you. John, thank you. Sean, thank you. Hassan, thank you. Al, thanks, chatting, everybody. Nice to see you guys. Leaving the meeting. Bye. Next one is Waterworld. Everybody, watch. Yeah, Waterworld.